Good morning. Hey, good morning. Hi. Uh, please get to your seats and then sit down and then stand up because we're going to worship. I just want to welcome you. I want to thank you all for joining us on a, a miserable day outside. So we're all here together. Um, just a quick prayer before we do uh, worship. Father, we are here to receive your Holy Spirit and to lift you up. Lord, if you can impart some wisdom on us, we would much appreciate it. But if you haven't noticed the theme, it's about you. King Jesus, we are here to learn from you. Father, we are here to praise. Spirit, join us. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Let's worship.
take a second to um, give you guys a parable that Jesus talked about um, where he talked about uh, basically giving to the gospel mission so let me get into it uh, Jesus said he was he was saying to the disciples there was a rich man who had a manager and this manager was reported to him to be squandering his possessions. He called, he called him and said, what is this I hear about you? Give, give an account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. Uh, I'm just gonna paraphrase over this because I won't take forever. But the manager basically, um, he knew he was gonna be fired. And so he went to the debtors of the, the rich master and said, I'll cut your bill in half so that when I'm fired, uh, I'll still have favor with your households. I can still come to you guys. And when the master found this out, uh, he actually applauded, applauded the manager because he was really thinking about it. He was, he was cunning and he, he thought hard about it. And Jesus said, let me find it. He says, it says, and the master praised him, praised the unrighteous manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the sons of this age are more shrewd in relationship to one another uh, than the sons of light. So Jesus says, the unbelievers are thinking about are thinking about their relationships way more than the unbelievers are, especially when it comes to money. Uh, Jesus says, make friends for yourself by means of wealth of unrighteousness, by means of money. Make, make friends for yourself so that when it fails, they will receive you into the eternal dwelling. The unrighteous master used, the unrighteous manager used his master's money to buy earthly friends. Believers are to use our master's money in a way that will accrue friends for eternity. This is investing in the gospel message being preached to other people. When we, this, this really hit me hard because being a business owner, fisherman, I sit and think all the time about how we can make more money. Like we, we're always trying to figure out how we can make more money, how we can better ourselves, that we can invest our money, loan it, do whatever to make more. But Jesus says, Look at all the time you spend thinking about, thinking about the money, unrighteous money. It's gonna fade, it's gonna die, it's gonna go away. If you spent that same kind of time thinking about eternal relationships, if you were to take that money and invest it into God's, God's mission, the gospel, you know, church, reaching people, that effect would be so much, so huge that when you get to heaven, they're literally be sinners who were saved because of because of the money that you you gave 
and they'll be there to welcome you into their households. So let me pray for the offering. Father, I just want to thank you. Again, I know I probably say the same thing, but Father, I want to thank you for your ways. They are beyond our realm of thinking. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, it will never fail us, and I just thank you. I just thank you that you've given it to us, Lord. Father, where would we be without you? Lord, it is apparent to me that the only part of my salvation that I have, the, the only part that I have contributed to my salvation is my sin, Lord. You've done the rest. Thank you, Father. I pray this through your Son who saves us.
Your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. Your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. Your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. Your It never gives up, it never runs out on me. Your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. Your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me.
pray for the middle school today. Jesus, we may not always hear your name when we're at school, but we feel your love, and your name can always be on our lips. So Lord, we're in just about a little quarter of this school year. I pray that that love that comes from you and you alone is recognized in the hearts of the students, of the staff, and everybody who enters in those doors. Pray specifically for Astoria Middle School this week. We extend that prayer to all of the schools as well, every single day. I pray that our kids are on our hearts every morning as we send them to school, that we just cover them with your protection, Lord. We know that you are a big God that does big things. So do big things in the lives of these students, God the midst of it all. I want to thank you for the seeds that you planted in these kids' hearts. I pray that you, our great gardener, keep working in those hearts. Grow that love, something beautiful that bears fruit, Lord. And I want to thank you for in the midst of being in that school that you have given some of these students that we see here in this church that confidence to have your name on their lips, even in school. So God, empower them. Let them know that it is your love that carries them through every single day. And every little problem they may face, big or small, God, let them turn to you in all things. Jesus, we pray all of this in your name. Amen. If you get a chance this week, you got nothing else to do, you're bored stiff, and your choice is to scroll Facebook or go to a middle school in your area and pray for the kids. Take the time to go to the middle school and pray for the kids, amen? Can you do that this week? Just, just stop your scrolling for just a little bit and bring God into the hearts of those people that are attending schools. So let's go ahead and dismiss the kids at this time. I'll try to figure out how to shut this thing off. Have somebody shut that off. It'll, it'll squeal on me if I'm not careful.
How are you this morning? Oh, really, that's it? That's as good as I can get it? Come on, let's be honest. How are you, how are you with Jesus this morning? Okay, that's four of you. I guess I got my work cut out for me. I knew this message was for most of y'all today. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 34, Judges chapter 6 and verse 1, Judges chapter 5 and verse 31, take your pick. We'll, we'll go to all of them. Uh, we're going to be all over the place today, if that's okay. The series that didn't start out as a series became a series, even though it's in a season. It's a season of change for, for us. I believe God is doing something in the hearts of Christianity all over the world. But before we get to that day, that another day when he, we were able to kind of uh, take advantage of what God is doing, we've got to deal with some th- things right now. Is it, is a church, is Christians, and I, I can't impact the world as much as I can impact the world of those that are in the room. So uh, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 34, Jesus said this, so don't worry about tomorrow. How many of you are worried about tomorrow? The politics of our day, the economics of our day. There's some worry that you've got about tomorrow. There's some things that you're, you're, you're focusing on tomorrow. Jesus said, Jesus said, I'm going to say it one more time. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Has your wife ever said that? Don't worry about it. But you knew there was more behind it. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Those are the words of Jesus. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. The context of this sermon, uh, of the text for this sermon uh, that Jesus preached is called the Sermon on the Mount. It's a particular text that Jesus is speaking of, the practice of serving God over money. It's really about trusting God. And he's telling us that laying up treasures in heaven is more valuable than that on earth, which is exactly what Derek taught us when he came up for the offering. Laying up treasure in heaven is more valuable than treasure on earth. And it's proven, the proof of this, like in your life, is who you really love. Do you love God or do you love money? And he said you can't serve two masters. You can't love one and and love the other. You're going to hate one or despise one more than the other. It's impossible to serve both. And you know that in your life, that, that some of us feel better, like if, our, if, if, our money, if we have more money, we're going to not worry about tomorrow as much as if we have no money. But Jesus says, just worry about today. Just worry about today. Just worry about today. Jesus taught in this lesson that if we serve God by faith like all of creation and seek to obey his word, the word of God first, then we'll live a life of God's blessings, that God will take care of us. That's the advantage that we have over the world is that we believe in a God that loves us enough that he's going to take care of us. That when Jesus Christ became our savior, we became a child of God and God is going to always take care of his children. Do you believe that today? Yes. He's not going to leave you on the side of the road. He's not going to leave you without. He's going to take care of you if you're his child. But before tomorrow comes, we must deal with today. That's what Jesus is saying. Meaning before we go to where God wants us as a church to be, we've got to, sorry, had to move my Bible, didn't want to trip over it. Nobody wants to see a pastor fall on his face. <laughs> before we get to where God wants us to, to live as a church, we've got to process what's going on today. And there's some things that are going on in modern day Christianity 
it's going on not just in the world, in Christianity, world meaning uh, the rest of America. American Christianity has its own brand, and I feel like some of us are experiencing that now. We're experiencing this brand of Christianity that is worrying about tomorrow and not taking care of today. So the thought today is today's trouble is enough for today. You got enough trouble to deal with. You got enough stuff to deal with today. Why are you worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow? Because the world tells you to worry about tomorrow? Because the, the, the news tells you to worry about tomorrow? Because everyone tells you to worry about tomorrow? Or, or do you got enough to worry about today? And we're going to come back to that. But we've got to come at it from our Old Testament story. I'm still in Judges. But we're going to go to Judges chapter 5 and verse 31. And I want you to... I'm reading out of the NLT today, so that's where we're at. And this is the, a song that was sung by Deborah and Bar- Barak, and we'll talk about them in just a minute, just a little bit. But the, the end of this song, the Bible says this, Lord, may all your enemies die like Sisera, but may those who love you rise like the sun in all its power. Then there was peace in the land for 40 years. Lord, may all your enemies die like Caesarea. But may those who love you rise like the sun in all its power. I could stay on that forever. I could just dwell in that passage of scripture, listening to what God is saying to me about that. Then there was peace in the land for 40 years. Israel under the leadership of Deborah and Barak uh, obeyed the word of God and it brought peace into the lives of Israel. And they lived 40 years in peace. How many could use like the next four? Just, just the next 40 in peace. Not worrying about the economy. Not worrying about your finances. Not worrying about your marriage. Not worried about your home. Not worried about, any, not worried about your children. You're living 40 years in peace because you're obeying the word of God. This, is a, this passage, this Judges chapter 5 verse 31 is the song in relation to this story of, and, and it just simply says their enemy, Caesarea, died like a fool. You want to read that story? It's Judges chapter 5. People of the world are going to die like fools. They have the opportunity to know Jesus Christ is their Savior. They have the opportunity to have their sins forgiven. They have the opportunity to have eternal life, and they turn it down. They're going to die like fools. He was a fool who thought he could fight God and win. A fool who thought that he could outsmart everyone else. May all God's enemies die like fools. That's a sermon for another day. But I like the power of that statement. May all God's enemies die like fools. How stupid would it be to have a God who wants to save you from your sins, forgive you, give you life, give you love, give you joy, give you peace, and you say, I don't want that. I'm going to try to get it with my money. May all of God's enemies die like fools. But may those who love you rise like the sun in all its power. What a glorious statement. If you love him, you'll get victory. If you love him, you'll have peace. If you love him, you'll have joy. But that's a sermon for another day. I got months worth of sermons out of this one passage of scripture. We're not going anywhere for a while. 
And there was peace in the land for 40 years. I don't know how many of you just prayed, God, just give me a week of peace. I mean, can I just, just, I, just when I go home tonight, I don't want the kids to go running around the house like crazy banshees. I just want some peace. I know when I go home, I'm going to have to face my spouse. And I don't want to fight tonight. How many of you said that this week? Just don't raise your hands. I just didn't want to fight tonight. I just wanted peace. God says he brings peace to us. Peace that passes all understanding. And he said he gave that peace to the children of Israel. He gave that peace. He destroyed their enemy, gave them peace for 40 years. But at the end of that 40 years, we jump into the story again. And this is what the Bible says about today's trouble. Judges chapter 6 and verse 1. Oops, let me find it and read it out of the... Let me put my glasses on. I've been exercising in the uh, seaside swimming pool with a bunch of old ladies. (laughs) And they are in better shape than I am. (laughs) So don't mock the glasses. This is in honor of them. The Israelites, there was peace in the land 40 years. That's end of Judges chapter 5. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. Can I just stop real quick and say that God sees your sin? You better hope he sees your sin through your Savior. And if your Savior's money, you're in trouble. Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight, so the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains and the strongholds and cave, mountains, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel, camping in the land and destroying crops as far... You ever notice you just get ahead and you fall behind? You just get ahead. You just get just, just enough ahead and it falls behind. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all their sheep, goats, cattle, and donkeys... These enemy hordes coming with their livestock and tents were as thick as locusts, and they arrived on droves of camels too numerous to count. And they stayed until the land was stripped bare. They left them with nothing. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites, and the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. And when they cried out to the Lord because of Midian, this is important, when they cried out to the Lord because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites, and he said, This is what the Lord God of Israel says. I brought you up out of slavery in Egypt. I can't see. I rescued you from the Egyptians and all from who oppressed you. I drove out your enemies. I gave you their land. I told you I am the Lord your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live. But you have not listened to me. But you have not listened to me. See, part of the problem is is we're not looking at our own sin. We're looking at everybody else's sin. Not realizing the problem we're having today, the problem we're having with life today, is because we're not searching our own hearts to see if there be any wicked way in us. Let's pray. Father, 
I want this to be positive. I want this to be encouraging. But the truth is, is sometimes your word is harsh. Sometimes your word is so truthful and so powerful that we can do nothing but hang our heads. But what if today we repent of sin? What if today we stop looking around at everybody else and we look within our own hearts and say, I've got to repent of that. I've got to confess my sin. Because I know that you're going to be faithful and just forgive me of my sin. What if today, I don't worry about tomorrow, but I take care of what I know that's going on today in my life. That I may be right with you today. Jesus, we pray. Amen. Israel did evil in the Lord's sight. This evil, which is a sermon for another day, was the worship of false gods. So the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years, and they were so cruel to the Israelites that whenever they planted crops to get ahead for their family, the government came and raised taxes. Did they do that? They will. My property taxes go up at least 3% because the law will only allow them to go 3%, but I worry about what, where it would go if they didn't have limits on them. So them. Am I the only one that struggles with paying your property taxes? Because the Midianites would come and destroy their crops and take all their animals, reducing them to starvation. And whenever they started to get ahead, they fell behind. Come on, how many of you have been there financially? Like you got ahead, then you fell behind. Then you got ahead, then you fell behind. Then you got ahead, then you fell behind. Then you fell behind, then you fell behind, then you fell behind. Okay, nobody here. This is good. Israel went from 40 years of peace and prosperity to seven years of suffering and starvation. And like many of us, they cried out to the Lord for help. How many of you have prayed in those situations where it seems like you're suffering, you're struggling, you're going through difficulty, you're going through trial and tribulation, and you call out to God and say, my problem is the Amalekites and the Midianites. Isn't that what we do when we're in trouble? We cry out to the Lord for help. And we, we cry out to him and say, here's my problem. Here's what's going on. You don't understand. And when they cried out to the Lord for help, God's answer was to send a preacher to preach the word of God to you. Amen? This is what happens when you miss church. Sometimes you miss a message that God has for you. He's trying to tell you something, but you miss it because he sent you a preacher. And you're not paying attention. And the Lord sends his preacher, and the Lord responded to Israel this way, and he said this to the children of Israel, I brought you out of slavery in Egypt, which is a picture of our salvation, where we've been freed from the bondage of our sins because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, because the lamb's uh, blood that was shed, uh, painted on the post. Do you remember when God freed you from your sin? Do you remember that? When you trusted Christ to be your Savior, you called upon him and, and trusted him and what he did for us is payment for your sin. And you were free from the bondage of that sin because of what Jesus did. And he says, I rescued you from the Egyptians and all that oppressed you, which is another picture of God freeing us from the pain and the penalty of sin. You remember what it was like before you were saved? 
Remember what it was like when you struggled with, with discouragement and depression and doubt? Remember what it was like when, when you just did things that hurt you? When the things you were doing in your life were causing you more pain, not less? And then Jesus freed you from all that oppressed you? And you stopped sin, doing, doing the things you used to do? Listen, I remember when he freed me from the oppression of alcoholism. Alcohol had control of my life and it was destroying my life. And I remember when I trusted him and I called upon him and said, here's my sin. Not here's your sin. I said, here's my sin. And he began to cleanse me from that unrighteousness and I got victory over alcohol. Do you remember whatever your sin was? I drove out your enemies. Those who hurt us, hated us, and held, held us in position, controlled us, were driven out of our lives. Remember the people that used to be bad in your life, and, and you got saved, and you got on fire for Jesus, and you started following him, and you started obeying his word, and you started doing his, his, what he asked you to do, and then people that were bad people just started staying away from you? All of my drinking buddies left me because I fell in love with Jesus more than I did Budweiser. And he says, I gave you land, their land. If you read the scriptures, you'll find God has a way of taking from the rich and giving to the believer. God has a way of, well, and when the children of Israel left Egypt, God said, take all the wealth. And they handed over their wealth. It's called spoiling the Egyptians. God has a way of allowing Christians to get blessings from the world. That's a sermon for another day. They had to work when they got in the land, but it was a, it was a land that was blessed by God, like it was already prepared for them. God's got a life that's already prepared for you that's better than the life you're living now. And all you got to do is step into it by faith. Yeah, you're still going to have to work the land, but it's not going to be as hard as it would be without God in your life. And then he says, but I told him, I am the Lord your God. He says, I am your God. Remember when you said, this is my God? I belong to him. I surrender to him. We used to sing a song, all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. Worldly, I, I'm going to mess this whole song up. Worldly treasures now forsaken, in his presence daily live. And he said, don't worship false gods in the land where, in which you live. Don't worship money. Don't worship men. Don't worship meaning if it doesn't include me. And then we've got a world filled with people, Christian people, who are worshiping money, worshiping men, and worshiping meaning that has nothing to do with God. You're living your life with a meaning that is meaningful to you, but not to God. It doesn't, mean, it doesn't matter. Listen, if people aren't getting saved because of your faith, that's, that's, that's not a positive thing in your life. Our meaning in life ought to be that we learn to know him and that others learn to know him. You want real meaning? Start sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with people that don't know Jesus Christ. And you'll change their direction from hell to heaven.
when they trust Christ as their Savior. And God said this, I've done all this for you. I've, I've saved you. I've freed you. I've forgiven you. I've loved you. I've blessed you. I've encouraged you. But you have not listened to me. But the problem is my enemy. No, the problem is you. You have not listened to me. They believed the problem was the enemy, but when they cried out to the Lord, God clarified what the real problem was. The real problem was not the Midianites stealing their food and leaving them in starvation. The real problem was that Israel stopped obeying the word of God. Could it be? Could it be? That the bad things happening in your life might not be because of the enemy that you're facing, but the God you stopped chasing? Could it be? I'm not saying it is. You might be experiencing an enemy that you had nothing to do with, but could it be? I think that it takes, um, we should take a moment at least and examine ourselves. Could it be that the bad things happening in your life, the things that you're crying out to God to help with, might be the fruit of your own sin and disobeying God's voice? Could it be that because you're not obeying God, that's where the problem's coming from? I'm going to say it again. Could it be? Not it is. I don't know that about your life. But I think it takes a mature Christian to stop and examine themselves for a moment. Could it, be, could it be that before we move on to another day, to another season, to something new, that we might want to explore the possibility of what's keeping us in the past? Is that we're blaming other people and other things for our problems, and the problem really is that we're not obeying God? It might just be the sin we've committed and haven't confessed to be cleansed from is what's going to hold us back. Is a church, I want to move forward. I want to move closer to God. I want to know more of him. I want to experience him in a deeper way, a more passionate way. But I got to deal with what's holding me back today. I can dream all I want about tomorrow, but if I'm not dealing with today, I'm not moving forward. 1 John 1.8, which is one of my favorite passages in all the scripture, y'all ought to have that memorized. If we claim we have no sin... John says, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. None of us are perfect. Even if Jesus Christ is our Savior, we're made perfect through him, but none of us are perfect. But my enemy's worse, could be, but are you obeying the word of God? But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we, we are calling God a liar and showing him that his word has no place in our hearts. We've got to deal with our own sin before we help somebody else deal with theirs. Yes. Before we call upon God and say, God, this is happening in my life, all this bad stuff, it's not fair, it's not fair. You might want to stop for a moment and ask yourself, could it be that I'm not obeying God's word in my life? Because today's trouble is enough for today. If you dealt with today's sin every day, then you'd have less sin to worry about tomorrow. Now, if we go back to Matthew chapter 6 and take the next step into chapter 7, 
we find a principle that might work for us here that I want to help you with. Remember Jesus is ending the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. The sermon had themes to do with the inner part of man where the Spirit of God dwells, where God should be working on your heart about your sin. Right now, God should be working on your heart about the areas of your life where you're not obeying Him. And it asks this question, before we judge our enemies, should we not judge ourselves? Let's just, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 1. Let me find it. Do not judge others and you will not be judged. You ever hear that before? You will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use to judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck that's in your husband's eye when you have a log truck in your own? Why are you worrying about your coworker when you've got your own sin? Why are you worrying about your pastor when you've got your own issue? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log that's in your own eye? I love Jesus. I love his word when he says hypocrite. Because I can be a hypocrite. I can be more concerned with your sin than I can be with my own. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. And then you'll be able to see well to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Is it not wise that before we call upon God and proclaim the faults of others that we look into the mirror and check our own face? You might find that you have no sin. You might find that what's happening to you might be just because people are evil. But it might be, it might be that you're experiencing what you're experiencing because you're not obeying God. You also might find this glaring reality that the reason you have no rest, the reason you have no peace is because of your own sin. First Timothy chapter one and verse 18. Timothy, Paul says this to Timothy. He says, Timothy, my son, here are my instructions for you based on the prophetic words spoken about you earlier. May they help you fight well in the Lord's battles. Cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. Keep to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. For many people have deliberately wounded their consciences as a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. Cling to your faith in Christ. I'm forgiven. I'm loved. I'm cared for. He's my Lord. He's my God. He's my Savior. But is my conscience clear? I mean, can I look at somebody else's sin and say it's worse than mine? But listen, God doesn't care whether your sin's worse. Sin's still sin to him. If Israel would have been honest and repented of the sin of disobedience to God's word, God would have given them victory over their enemy much sooner and they would have had peace much longer. But they experienced some unnecessary suffering and I think that would be true for a lot of us. 
A lot of us are so busy looking at the faults of others that we're not looking at ourselves and saying, I, how do I, what am I doing wrong? Am I, where am I disobedient to you, Lord? Where am I failing you? Where am I not obeying you? Where am I? Before you help somebody else, before you call out somebody else's sin, you need to confront your own. I believe with all of my heart that the greatest blessing in life comes from obeying the word of God. Even Old Testament laws, which are really New Testament principles, I still want to obey them. Why? Because it's God determined it was the best way for us to live life. How did Israel disobey the word of God? Let me just give it to you real quick. We're going to study this more next week. So Exodus chapter 19 and verse 5. Still in the NLT. God told Israel before they had fallen away, before this happened in Judges, before Deborah and Barak had to get victory to get 40 years of freedom. God said to the children of Israel, now if you will obey me and keep my covenant. We'll talk about the covenant next week. You will be my own special treasure from among the peoples of the earth. If you obey me, if you make me your God, if you surrender your life to me, if you deal with your sin and obey my word, you will be a special treasure from among the peoples of the earth. I look at that as we're, we're, we get to be his children. I know this. You as a parent love your child more than your teachers, the te their teachers do. I'm not saying your kids are bad. I'm saying that your teachers aren't going to be able to love your children as much as you love them because they're yours. There's something special about your children that you think they're awesome and they're amazing and they, they probably are. But they're not a special treasure to other people as much as they are to you. That's why you protect them and that's why you take care of them. That's why you guide them. That's why you love them and lead them and discipline them. Verse six says, and you will be a kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This message that you give, this is the message you must give to the people of Israel. This is called the Mosaic Covenant, which we'll talk about again next week, hopefully. But God wants to make us his own special treasure, his children. He wants to make us his kingdom of priests, his servants. Listen, we get to serve the almighty God. We get the privilege of serving him. I think of our teachers teaching children's ministry. They get a privilege of teaching children about who God is and who their savior is in Jesus Christ. It's a privilege that we get to even mention his name. We get to serve God. Now, when, when did that become a bad thing? When you started disobeying him? He wants to make us a holy nation. That's separate from sin. He wants to free us from the pain and the penalties and the problems of sin. And he did that through Jesus Christ. But we don't often live there.
If you obey his word, you're his special treasure, his kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Now this is in context is talking about Israel, but we can read the same things in 1 Peter about the New Testament in the, those who are in Christ. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2 says, God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and his spirit has made you holy. If Jesus Christ is your Savior, the Spirit of God indwells you, and that makes you free from sin. As a result, you have obeyed him and been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more grace and peace. Because of Jesus Christ, I get more and more grace and peace. We, as believers in Jesus Christ, have more grace and more peace. Because of grace, we have peace with God. All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and by his great mercy that we have been born again. We've been born again. We've been born again. We've been born again. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again, and he didn't understand it. That's becoming God's child through Jesus Christ. We become, we've got a new father. We've got a, amen? The father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by great, his great mercy that we have been born again because God has raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. We live with great expectation. We live, listen, we're not worried about tomorrow. We're expecting God to bless us with peace. We're expecting God to encourage us. We're expecting God to love us, comfort us, and take care of us, to provide for us. That's Matthew chapter 6. Why are you thinking that money's going to solve all your problems when God says, let me feed you manna? Well, manna is not as good as money. Manna is better than money. It comes from heaven. And it's only poured down on those who obey the word. We have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance to be kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. Tomorrow can't take away what's, restore, or what's stored in heaven for you and me. See, being a follower of Jesus Christ, we should be living in peace. We shouldn't worry about tomorrow. I'm not worried about tomorrow. I am not worried about the economy. I'm not worried about the government. I'm not worried about taxes. I'm not worried about any of that. Why? Because I'm just going to obey the word of God and let God take care of me because that's what he says happens when you do that. I'm not going to worry about the enemies in my life. I'm not going to worry about those who are against me. I'm not going to worry about my wife. I'll let God take care of her. It made you nervous for a moment, didn't it? Because when I look at her, I need to recognize I can either help her or I can hinder her by my own sin. And if I really looked at myself, the, problem, the problems that we have had in our lives have probably been more in tune with me not obeying the word of God and less than her oh, not obeying the word of God. If you're experiencing difficult things right now, could it be, could you at least consider that before you blame the problem on an enemy... Could you look in the mirror and ask yourself, are these things going on in my life the fruit of my failure to obey the word of God? Could it be that it might just be because I'm not obeying God's word? Are the things going on in our lives the fruit of my failures to obey the word of God? Could it be the prayer you're praying to God might need to change? 
that you might need to pray a prayer of personal repentance. You know, if you're saved, you had to start with a prayer of personal repentance. It was your sin that put Jesus on the cross, not mine. I'm not saying I'm holy. I'm saying that I had to deal with my sin, not yours. The sins you've committed against me had nothing to do with my saved salvation. It had to do with me repenting of my own sin, calling upon Jesus to be my Savior. Before I confront another, I might need to confess my own sin. Could you imagine how different your marriage would be if you just considered the fact that the problem might not be your spouse? It might actually be you. And it might not be, it might be your spouse. But before you help them take the moat out of their eye, you need to take the beam out of yours, or at least make sure there's nothing in there. See, you can't move on to tomorrow until you deal with today. Before you move on to another day, God's asking for a personal assessment. I know it's easy to say the church is the problem. The church isn't the problem. The problem is us. We're the church. Amen. It might be that your heart is clean and your eyes are clear. But could you at least consider for a moment that God has sent me to preach the word of God to you to make sure that you are Dealing with your own sin before you deal with somebody else's. Where are you not obeying the word of God? Because before you move on to tomorrow, you've got to confess your own sinfulness today. And you might not have any. You might, be, you might be good. But Israel thought the problem was the Midianites, and the problem wasn't the Midianites. The problem was the children of Israel just were not obeying the word of God. Well, what about that's tomorrow? Why don't you deal with what's going on today? Today's trouble is enough. Today's trouble is enough. Today's trouble is enough. And God wants to cleanse you of your unrighteousness. He wants to free you from the bondage of your sin. But you've got to confess it first. You'll never have peace until you confess your own sin. You'll just keep thinking everybody else is the problem. What's going on in you? Let's stand, please. Today's trouble is enough. Father, I do not know the areas of life in these people that might be in disobedience to your word. I don't know what their enemies are. I just know that you've asked us through your word to examine ourselves. And see if there be any wicked way in us. Now we can pray and ask you to reveal it to us, which... That would, that's a good prayer. It's Psalms 139, Father. But we got to start with the, at least the idea that the problem might be us. The problem might, might not be Astoria. The problem might be new life. 
The problem might not be my husband or my wife, but the problem might be me. The problem might not be the economy and what the government's doing. It might be the way that I'm responding to your obedience to the word of God when it comes to tithing and trusting you with my finances. It might be me. And Father, you know all week I've spent so much time just searching my own heart and repenting of sin in my own life before I even stepped in this pulpit to feel like I had a right to bring this message to them. Because they don't need to hear from a hypocrite. I want to be honest with my sin. I want to be honest with my Savior. You've given me such a great life, Jesus. You've given me such a peaceful life, God. And not all of my enemies are the result of my disobedience to the word of God, but I need to at least examine my own heart to make sure that if there is an enemy in my life that I'm calling to you upon to deal with, that I might not be the enemy myself. You want to give us 40 years of peace. You want to give us peace. You want to give us pleasure evermore. But we got to deal with today. What would happen tomorrow if we dealt with today, Father? Maybe we'd get some victory over our enemies. Help us to examine our own hearts. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Lord's touched your heart today. Jesus has spoken to you. Spirit of God has spoken to you. God himself has spoken to you. Where are you disobeying God? Where are you worshiping false gods? Why don't you come repent of those today? Come on. Come repent of those today. Don't say you have no sin because if you have, say you have no sin, you're just fooling yourselves and you're not living in the truth. If you claim you've not sinned, you're calling God a liar because he's trying to show something to you today about something going on in your life that you're not obeying the word of God in some way, shape, or form. Where is it in your life that you're disobeying the word of God? Say, I, I don't know. Well, maybe you're clean. Maybe you're clean. Maybe you're good. But I don't think he brought this message just so I would have something to say today. I think he wants to reveal some truth about yourself. And in doing so, he'll reveal some truth about you. If you confess your sins... He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. Just examine your own eyes. Examine your own hearts. What is God asking of you that you're disobedient to that might be the reason why you're facing an enemy that you can't defeat? 
Father, I want these people to have victory in their lives. I want them to have peace that you've promised that passes all understanding. I want them to have the joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. I want them to laugh again. But today they must be honest. They're placing their blame possibly in the wrong place. And they don't even need to beat themselves up, Father. You're not asking them to beat themselves up. You're asking them just to confess to you their sin. Father, people in this room can't be saved without confessing your sin. They can't know Jesus Christ as their Savior unless they confess their sin. Why don't today, why isn't today the day that they confess and feel, find, and have forgiveness? They don't need to die like a fool. When you want to give them so much, you want them to be a peculiar treasure, a special treasure to you. A kingdom of priests. And eternal blessings. If they would just be honest with you this morning. We can't move on to tomorrow until we deal with today. With heads bowed and eyes closed one last time. I'm just going to ask you to be honest with me and if you know what your sin is and you've confessed it to him, would you raise your hands? I know what I'm doing wrong. Amen. Amen. Father, as you reveal to them the things that they're doing against you, I say to those who know you as their Savior, that they walk out of here with peace because they've confessed their sin to you and you've promised to forgive them and to cleanse them from it. Let them walk out of here with joy, with, with the knowledge that they've left their sin behind, that, that, that they gave it back to, to you, that they trusted you with it. That the Spirit of God inside of them now is at peace where he was at war with their sin. where the cross of Jesus Christ now is a blessing, not a curse. But I pray for those that don't know Christ as their Savior. If they would just confess their sins to Him, He's faithful and just forgive them of their sins. And through the work of Jesus Christ and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for their sins, they would have peace. It's like a new birth. It's like a new life. They no longer have to dwell on the things they're doing wrong. They can dwell on the things that God's blessed them in to do right. And they can look at tomorrow with hope 
and happiness because of the holiness that you provide through Jesus Christ. Free us from our sin. Help us to see the things that are in our own, sin, our own eyes before we judge others. We love you and we're grateful that we get to call upon you and we pray today, I pray today that they've heard your word through an imperfect being using a perfect word. We love you, Jesus. Give them peace. Give them peace today. And Jesus, we pray and all God's people said. Guys, thanks for coming today. Hope you have a great afternoon. It is 11.15. Don't forget your kids, please.